Welcome to Regularly Scheduled Programming, where we watch stuff and talk about it. I'm Joe. And I'm Ashley. And you can email us at gmail at regularlyscheduledpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at regularlyscheduledpod. Follow us on Twitter at rsppod or find us on Facebook at Regularly Scheduled Programming Podcast. Did something get you going in there? <laughs> I don't know. It's just going on the run with those. Oh. It seems so official yeah. or something. Uh, so news? Yeah. Let's All right, not news. a ton of news. Uh, mostly, uh, I was reading over just before we started, and most of it is just stuff getting pushed back. Yeah. Um, so Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has been pushed back. Part one will now be coming out June 2nd, 2023. And part two will be coming out March 29th, 2024. I just feel like we've been waiting so long for those already. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's just the thing now. Like, movies get pushed back. It's just part of the way it works, it seems like now. Yeah. Well, it'll give us plenty of time to rewatch um, the first one, so. Yeah um next the super mario brothers movie has been pushed back to spring of 2023 yeah i wonder that one i'm like did they start making it and realized it wasn't good or what? I, have, I have no idea did i they... really don't know what to expect from that movie or did they look at what happened with sonic 2 and they're like oh we need to step up our game so um I don't know. Either way, I think we'll see it. But I'm with you. I don't really know what to expect. Yeah, it's got big shoes to fill from that uh, 90s uh, Super (laughs) Mario Brothers movie. You know, though, I was randomly thinking about that movie the other day and kind of wanting to watch it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. other than that, uh, we got word that a new Spider-Man, quote unquote, movie, uh, it's a spinoff called El Muerto is supposed to be coming out in January or on January 12th, 2024. Hmm. I re- I have no idea what this is. Uh, it's from Sony, but yeah, just completely go completely blank about El, Mur- El Muerto. Yeah. I don't know anything about it, but I mean, I look forward to seeing the trailer. Yeah. Uh, next we did get a, uh, I guess it, I don't know if it's a trailer, but it's like a teaser for, uh, Dr. Strange. It was basically like a 10 day notice that it's coming out in 10 days. I think there may have been a few clips in there that we hadn't seen before. Uh, there was, um, so I saw a couple stills and you'd see, um, what is assumed to be Professor X in the yellow. Like, oh really? The, yeah, I meant to show you the stills and I forgot. The only thing that stuck out to me that I believe was new was we do see Mordo, and he specifically calls the group that Doctor Strange is going in to see the Illuminati. Yeah. So Illuminati confirmed, confirmed. Uh, in the MCU, not you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> not in life. <laughs> yeah. But still, super excited for this movie. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm hopeful. Um... Maybe we'll get to see it on Friday. Maybe. That would be awesome. Uh, Lastly is uh, the Batman 2 has been greenlit. Okay. I didn't realize that movie needed a sequel. (laughs) Well, it's Batman and it's a comic book movie. It's going to get a sequel. I just, I will just say if you wanted to watch it, I'd probably be okay. And we'll wait and see what the story is, the trailer, stuff like that. 
But for me, it's just walking away from that movie feeling kind of eh about it. I, I would imagine the sequel is going to be about Bruce or Batman realizing that Gotham City needs Bruce Wayne as much as it needs Batman. Right. So maybe it won't be quite as dark. Oh, it'll probably but, be dark still. You know, but, I just, I don't know. I'm not excited about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were just kind of, you know, middle of the road on the first movie. So, you know, a sequel isn't necessarily going to get us hyped. Yeah. But and that's it for the news. Uh, that's all under we've five had minutes. This week. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because last week and this week are bleeding into each other a bit. So I thought things from last week would be for this week. Like I was waiting for you to talk about Lightyear. And then I was like, no, that was last week. And I think it's just because I'm still so excited about that trailer. If you want me to talk about Lightyear, I can talk about the SH Figure Arts uh, action figure that they're doing. <laughs> it looks amazing. That did look really, really good. But other than that, yeah, no news that crossed our paths. Nope. Um, granted, I wasn't like looking for the news as much this week. So I really don't go out seeking. I just wait and see what pops up in front of me. Well, same, but I wasn't on Twitter very much. Yeah. And I didn't have my feed sorted by like tweets you might be interested in or something. So. So with that, we will take a short break after our short <laughs> intro uh, for an ad. And we'll be back to talk about what we watched. All right. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back. Hopefully there was an ad there. There was last week. <laughs> okay. This is take two, by the way. So uh, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, normally we would go into the stuff that we watched individually. I don't have anything that I watched really on my own. I caught up on uh, the newest episode of Critical Role, but that's about it. Yeah. So um, this week on my own, I watched, oh, I started rewatching Degrassi, The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Um which is funny because on my sheet I have Degrassi TNG, which Star Trek. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so Degrassi: The Next Generation is a spinoff series of 
the original Degrassi Junior High and Degrassi High that was a Canadian show. Degrassi, also a Canadian show. Um, I decided to rewatch it because HBO Max is doing a Degrassi series. I'm assuming it's probably a continuation in some way, but the original series and then the next generation was it followed like the daughter of actually several of the kids from the original. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, well, the kids, kids. Anyway, long story short. Maybe this new one will be the next, next generation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, because I don't know if any of those kids are old enough to have kids in high school. I have no idea. I don't know when they came out. I really loved the original or, well, yes, actually, I did enjoy the original (laughs) because I got the DVDs from Netflix. And I really enjoyed Degrassi, The Next Generation. And rewatching it is kind of funny because, you know, especially as an adult, because you're watching junior high kids. But it's also relevant to my own junior high slash high school experience. Mm -hmm. Not everything, but some things. And there's definitely like iconic episodes that I'm kind of waiting for. But I'm not there yet. But I'll be sure to let you guys know when I hit the uh, school shooting episode, the Manny Thong episode, all of those. I'll make sure you guys know when I get there. But I'm only well, actually, I think I got most of the way through season one. Okay. That was pretty much all I watched this week. A lot going on in the personal life. So we just kind of watch things together this week. Yeah. Or we didn't watch anything. (laughs) Uh, speaking of watching things together, the first yeah. thing we watched together was uh, on Tuesday night, we watched Sing 2 with yeah. our son. Yeah. He went to a school thing where they watched it. Yeah. And he really wanted us to watch it. Yeah. He seemed to really enjoy the movie and was really excited for it. It was on sale on iTunes. So uh, so we got it. And so I'm not the biggest fan of the first Sing movie. It's fine. It's funny, but it's not something I don't think I've seen it since we watched it. I was going to say, we love animated movies in case you haven't got that yet. (laughs) But Sing really didn't do it for me. We never bought it. Um, He didn't seem to latch on to it, which is probably another reason why it didn't get a lot of play in our house. Uh, But Sing 2 was fun. Yeah, it was it was good. Like, I don't know if I'll ever be sitting around and go, oh, I want to watch that. But yeah, but if he puts it on, I won't be like, ugh, not this movie again. It was good. It was good. Good music. Um, cute story. Didn't realize the lion was Bono until the very <laughs> end song. <laughs> but if you're into that, <laughs> Bono's in it. So next we watched a documentary on HBO Max, uh, mm-hmm. Tony Hawk Until the Wheels Fall Off. I think yeah. that's what it was called. Yep, that's what I have written down. Um, and that was it was really good. Like growing up in the time that we did with the X Games and Tony Hawk and stuff like that, we weren't there at the beginning of his uh, career, but yeah. we were definitely there during like it's I think it's highest peak. Yeah, they talk about because how, he became like a, a household name. Yeah, they definitely talk about in the movie how skateboarding was cyclical. Yeah, like how it went in. It was really in in like the 70s. Right, late 70s. And then it kind of fell off and then it came back in. And we were in junior high around like peak 90s skater time. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of knew how to skateboard. My dad skateboarded, but it wasn't really my thing. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't for me. I 
I did not do well on skateboards, but the uh, I mean, I couldn't do any tricks, but I could keep my balance, yeah. which let's be honest, that's great for me because I can barely keep my balance walking. <laughs> but it was really good. Um, a lot of people in the documentary were just talking about how like devoted Tony Hawk was mm-hmm. or is to skating. And then I, one of the big moments was for me was in the documentary and I knew they would go over it. But when they were talking about him doing the 900. Mm hmm. I am pretty sure I was watching that live when it happened. And it was yeah. it was an amazing thing. I was into the X Games. I watched it when they came on. Yeah, because the X Games started, you know, when we were in high school, I think. Junior high, high school. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. But one of the one of the things that I loved about it, and they and somebody brought it up in the documentary, and it's something I thought of immediately when I first saw him doing it. Cause it was at I think it was the best trick competition. Mm-hmm. And somebody brought up like in no other professional sport would that have happened in any other sport in any other uh, venue, his time would have been up or his runs would have been up and they would have said move along. But at the X Games, because it's skateboarding, because he's Tony Hawk and because he is like the most popular name in skateboarding, I think still just he kept trying and kept trying and they just kept rolling and letting him go because I think, I think there is this vibe of even just people watching at home that you knew he was going to get it. Yeah. And I mean, he tried like eight so times or times. something like that. <laughs> and finally he pulled it off. And I, like I said, I remember that moment. I'm pretty sure I was watching it live and it was amazing. Yeah. I really liked that. I also, in the documentary, sometimes in documentaries, things get, lost over a little bit mm-hmm. and they didn't shy away from his shortcomings i would say yeah well he didn't no he didn't he um, was the one that brought up some of the issues that he caused in his relationships and stuff yeah. like that and his issues with fame in general and money and stuff yeah. like that and how he wasn't the most responsible person which you know i guess that's one of the best things to do especially if you're doing it like maybe put it out there yourself then you don't have to worry about being si- um blindsided right like people can't post on twitter later like oh they didn't talk about his four marriages or infidelity like they put it all out there also um i really liked i didn't write down any of their names but hearing from the other skateboarders that he came up with and hearing the other guys in the bone brigade yeah and leader of the bone brigade and then hearing them not only just talk about him but they also kind of talked briefly about their careers too and mm-hmm. their philosophies on skateboarding and why they're still skateboarding into their 50s. Yeah. It was just highly recommended. That yeah, was very good. Um skateboarders definitely recommend people yeah. that grew up in the same time we did for sure. And um if you're just a fan of documentaries, this one was really well done. Yeah, and then go play some Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I really want to. <laughs> we have it. <laughs> I know. So the next thing um, up would be This Is Us. Yeah. Night before. So let me start over. Season six, episode 14, Night Before the Wedding. And um, I don't really have a lot of things written down. <laughs> As I told you before, I more have like notes to myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they did not. So if their goal was to make us question whether or not he was going to end up with Sophie, they didn't do a very good job. No, because it starts off with little Kevin. 
yeah. in first grade, I think. Yeah, I don't. And writing out Valentine's for his classmates. And then Sophie walks in. And then the whole episode is basically him and Sophie at or the day before the wedding. Yeah. Spending time together. The one thing I wrote, <laughs> note to self, unclaimed clothes at the dry cleaner. Yeah. Didn't know that was a thing. Well, I mean, it could just be for the show. Yeah. But I mean, it was a really good episode. It was interesting because the only like the only hurdle they really had was Sophie wanted to make sure that Kevin wasn't in love with who she used to be. Yeah. And I I totally get that. But it wasn't honestly, it wasn't this big, dramatic, tense thing that could have been if they had chosen to make it that way. It was just like, see these people reconnecting. Yeah, and like they kind of made it a thing in the preview. Like, will it be the wedding singer? And thank God it wasn't. And it really never even like in the episode, there's never really a point where you're questioning who it's going to be, I don't think. No, and like there's a brief moment with Cassidy, but Cassidy is very much like, you're my best friend, Mm -hmm. but this is not like I'm not your person. You're not my person, I think. Yeah. I can't remember if she said that in this episode or the previous episode, but it completely stands. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few moments with Sophie and Rebecca mm-hmm. where when Sophie first comes to the wedding, Rebecca thinks it's like teenage Sophie. Early 20s. Yeah, early 20s. Like they just got married yeah. kind of thing. I think, yeah, she thinks that they're still married. Yeah. And then towards the end of the episode before the decision is made, essentially. Rebecca has a talk with Sophie about how, you know, basically Kevin is not ready now, mm-hmm. essentially. But, but he will be. He will be. And Rebecca's like, I don't know if I could wait, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I do think one of the most important things is throughout the episode, and I got this on my rewatch more than when we first watched it, but Kevin's kind of always been the kind of person that puts himself first And whenever Kevin is talking to Sophie about things at the wedding, it's more about him facilitating for others. Like he did that magazine article where she was like, you were dressed up like one of the village people. And he was like, oh, that was publicity for for the nonprofit, which I assume is Big Three Homes. I would assume so, too, because they never outright say it's a nonprofit, but that makes sense. And talking about um, this guy that works for him and how it's connected him with his community mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it had nothing to do with Kevin. Yeah. And Kevin's he's, always he's the talking first about, one to- Yeah, he's, he's talking about how happy he is because people are telling him that they're happy. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's not a side of Kevin we've always got. Mm-hmm. We had started getting it more. Yeah. And now we have this jump to the future and apparently this is Kevin mm-hmm. now. But, um, you know, honestly, the last couple seasons, I was really rooting for him and Madison. Mm-hmm. But it's Sophie, and that's fine, too. Yeah. And I think um, I've seen a little bit of backlash about it online, about how, like, they just brought her back. And it's like, well, number one, it's not the show's fault that COVID happened. She's on another show on Netflix. There's quarantine things. Mm-hmm. And I really think maybe because I've rewatched the show so much, it does make sense to me. Yeah. And I feel like it's kind of always been Sophie. They've 
kind of led us on that track. So I don't have a problem with it being Kofi Endgame. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So moving on, Moon Knight. Yes. Uh, Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 5, Asylum. Very interesting episode. Really, really interesting. (laughs) A very interesting episode considering it is the penultimate episode for the season. Possibly the series. We don't know if it's getting a season two. Yeah, nothing we've heard indicates that. Yeah, and from what we have heard, given that supposedly the final episode is only 45 minutes, they got got a lot to do, but this episode was really good. Um, You really got to see where Steven came from. So it basically it lays it out that Mark is the base personality, I guess, would be a way to talk about it. Yeah. And he created Steven. Yeah, he created Steven to to deal with the disassociation he has because of his mother. Yes. Uh, Basically, we find out that Mark had a brother, Randall, and an unfortunate accident happened and his brother drowned, and his mother blames him. Yes, and she is not shy about it. No, and so Mark creates Stephen to kind of deal with this, I mean, for lack of a better term, abuse from his mother. Yeah, but and... it it's about, like I said, it's about Stephen, I guess, learning where he came from, and the, the whole thing is about they have to balance their scales in order to get led into, well, well initially it's to get led into like the afterlife, and then it's about, trying to get back into i guess the real world not the real world but like you know go back to earth um yeah to help kind of to help with the whole thing with Amit and stuff like that so it's a big journey of discovery for the two characters right and we find out that um khonshu took mark essentially when mark had just killed a bunch of people and was going to kill himself I wouldn't say took, but he offered him, yeah, you know, the powers and stuff like that to be his avatar. And Mark, you know, agreed. Yeah. But it's a really good episode. I'm still really curious about this potential third personality that may or may not be in there. Um, But it seems like Steven's gone. Yeah. So without going into every beat of the the story basically they're on a ship being being ferried to the afterlife and while they're on it this you know the i can't remember the um the name of the i think it's a god that's doing it they have to balance their scales basically if you know they're good people they get led into the is it like a field of reeds or something like that yeah if not they basically get taken overboard where you know the not so good people are yeah. Well, as the journey is reaching its end point, the scales are still not balancing and these unbalanced souls are climbing up onto the ship to try to pull them down into the sands and through a fight, you know, Mark Mark's fighting back, Stevens kind of cowering and whatnot, but Stevens like, well, if Mark is me and I'm in, and I am Mark, then I can do this too and he gets in there and he starts you know, throwing hands and whatnot, but ultimately gets uh, pulled overboard. Yep. And without Steven, Mark's scales balance. Yeah. Because while they were balancing, because there are two personalities or two souls, I guess is what they figure. The scales were balanced for two instead of one. And the scale kind of went up and down a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as soon as Steven goes overboard, 
Mark's scales balance back out. Yeah. So. Really good episode. It's not... These it's last funny. couple of episodes... Well, the episode before this last one was really good because we got this whole, like, Indiana Jones Tomb Raider thing. Um, but this one was very much more uh, story-driven and background and stuff like that. But it was done in a really interesting way. Yeah, so what I was going to say is it's funny because you mentioned, like, without going beat by beat. But the thing is... With this show, I don't feel like I could go beat by beat because there's always so much going on. Yeah. I don't know how we finish this in 45 minutes. but yeah, I don't, I'm not sure either. But I don't know what to expect anyway. And I haven't known all along. So I'm sure they're going to yeah. wrap it up nicely. Well, and also, I mean, personally, I haven't seen anything that for sure cements it as a 45 minute episode. Usually that stuff's pretty accurate, but who knows? Yeah. All right. Next, let's get into something that um, is not quite keeping our attention. <laughs> so Halo. Yeah. Halo season one, episode six, Solace. So this was another episode with a lot of story and I don't want to say exposition, but like it was just it was facilitating what's coming. Yeah. But I'll be honest, this episode I was much more invested in than the other episodes that were purely story built. I think because we kind of had last week where it built up to something and now we're kind of dealing with what happens next. Mm -hmm. So like we did find out right away Kai is not dead. Correct. Um, And uh, there was this whole scene with John. And Dr. Halsey. Mm -hmm. I love that. Like John fully went for Dr. Halsey. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to liquefy her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's the, the thing is with this show is it's like it's kind of like how we feel about the Batman. Mm -hmm. it, it's not that we think this show is not made well. You know, no. the acting is great. The the design of the show is great. The direction, the, the filming, everything looks great. It's just, I don't, I guess it would be what the story is. We're just not super into yet. It hasn't done anything to grab me uh, by the throat and make me like eagerly await the next episode. Yeah, I mean, I can't add anything to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just move on to our final one. Well, I wanted to briefly touch one more before Picard, but let's okay. move into Picard. No, go ahead. No, after Picard. Oh, okay. Um, so Picard, season two, episode nine, hide and seek. Also a penultimate episode, I believe. Yes. And we didn't get a preview for the next week. We did not. Ready Room had a, uh, a preview or a trailer for uh, Strange New Worlds. Yeah. So, yeah, some stuff happened in this one. It was definitely a more action-oriented um episode there's so a lot of it is just kind of cleaning up certain things to get us to the point where we can deal with what q did yeah but in doing that they do something really really interesting with the borg queen slash agnes yeah so the borg queen wants to take the ship uh that they came to uh 2024 on in order to go to the delta quadrant in order to bring the Borg to Earth, because at that stage in their technological development, Earth would be, you know, a cakewalk to assimilate. Oh, yeah. So the the ragtag crew uh, are doing their best to stop that. 
Well, when at ultimately what happens is when the chips are down, it looks like the Borg Queen is going to win. Yeah. She has the codes to get access to the ship. Seven of Nine is dying. And it comes down to Gerardi having a one-on-one with the Borg Queen. Yeah. And they did something really risky, in my opinion, given the way people feel about their nostalgia and, you know, especially Star Trek. They had Gerardi convince the Borg Queen to do things different. Yeah. Basically, she's like, Gerardi recognizes through her own personality that the Borg Queen is lonely, Mm -hmm. profoundly lonely. And one of the reasons why she assimilates (laughs) is because she doesn't want to be alone. But basically, Gerardi's like, you're going about this all wrong. You could make the world a better place through assimilation, essentially. Yeah, just asking people if they want to. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, there will be people that want that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that whole thing. I love the way they shot it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they couldn't have shot it any other way other than Agnes on one side and the Borg Queen on the other. I just really liked it for some reason. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see how they do this. <laughs> Well, I don't know if we're going to see anything yeah, about that. We might true. see something when they go back to the future. Um, yeah. But the one thing I will say is at least I haven't seen online or anything like that. I really haven't seen many any people's reaction to this episode. And that's surprising to me. I assume when, I, when it was happening, I was like, I dig this. This is cool. It's unexpected. It is completely unexpected. Mm-hmm. It um kind of it kind of distances itself from this idea that certain beings or races or species, I guess species in the Star Trek universe would be a better um, uh, word that they can just be evil. They're just bad, you know, without a lot of nuance and depth, you yeah. know, cause that's kind of what the Borg was. I mean, there have been some Borg that were uh, turned like seven of nine uh, Picard, Hugh. I was gonna say Hugh is the big one. Yeah, because he wasn't initially, um, I don't remember if he was actually like unassimilated. Yeah. He kind of was just making choices on his own when while they were talking, while he was cut off from the collective. Yeah. But anyway, it's just, it's a really interesting thing for them to do. And I was expecting to go on Twitter and just see people Losing complaining, which, and I didn't go seeking out reactions. I was- I just didn't yeah. see any come across my uh, my feed. So yeah, I was gonna say that is actually something I meant to kind of seek out just to see if there was something else we could say potentially about mm-hmm. what other people are saying because I do like to bring that in a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, I forgot, and yeah. honestly, like I'm very interested to see where that goes. But like you said, maybe we won't even see it. Yeah. Um. I also really like that. They did. I mean, they accomplished two things. They accomplished all the stuff that I just talked about, but then they also got a very specific character development moment with Gerardi. Yeah. Where she's taking a stance. And I don't know if it's, it might be one of those things where it's like, she's always known how she, that, that she has those feelings, but maybe this is the first time she's like saying it out loud and yeah. trying to do something about it and that kind of thing. And it was a really, and I like the character. So I, I enjoy seeing growth in characters that I like. Yeah, Gerardi is a really interesting character, I think. And um, I really like that moment for her. Mm-hmm. 
it was a little bittersweet though because uh at the end of it the borg queen uh saved seven yes but, but in the process her. well no she didn't assimilate her but in the process she got her borg implants back yeah which and that was really hard for seven yeah which you know that's a because she she only lost to them when they went back or when they got transported to the alternate timeline by q right i believe so so like she still had him and i understand that that's a stigma for her my i don't want to say my issue but like the thing that i'm like this is a little weird is they look exactly like the same they look exactly <laughs> the same as her original implants yeah but like i don't feel like they would be facilitating the same thing but regardless it's like a it's like a, such a minor nitpick that it's not like it affects the story at all um but yeah still thoroughly enjoying it can't wait to see the finale for this season and i am so excited for season three with all the not all of but like a lot of the original cast returning and such it's just well uh, real quick i did want to touch on another thing that happened in this episode and we basically get this like a cat and mouse through picard's home yes um with dr soon mm-hmm. and what is it? The people that Agnes or the Borg Queen assimilated? Yeah, they're they're basically Borg, like like Borg light. <laughs> yeah, um, and Picard has this really profound moment where he kind of. Oh yeah, that's right. I don't realize exactly what was going on with his mom, and we find out that his mom killed herself. And he had kind of been locking that away for a really long time. So, yeah, it was... So to play out... I don't want to say the events the way they happen, but, like, to to give you why it's so traumatic for him is in the the episode before this one, we go through that journey through his subconscious. And... uh, Or was that two episodes ago? Either way, you know, his mom gets him to go down into, like, their catacombs and play hide-and-seek. And then, ultimately, Picard's dad comes and pulls him away and then locks his mother in their bedroom or a bedroom on the vineyard. Yeah. In their house. And she's calling to Jean-Luc to come let her out and all this kind of stuff. And finally he did, he goes and he unlocks the door and he goes and lays down with her. But while she, while he's sleeping, she gets up and goes into their, I was like a greenhouse. I was going to say it's, it's like a greenhouse. Something like that. Um, and she hangs herself. So, you can you can see why a child would blame themselves and why it would be so easy to just kind of lock that uh, memory away. Yeah, it was really sad. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, um, like, watching Next Generation, I don't want to say that Picard is a perfect person because he's not, but like, his flaws are very minor yeah. and downplayed. Through this series, you're seeing that he is a terribly flawed individual. But sometimes those flaws are what pushed him to be the great man that he is. And he just doesn't come to terms with those. And then we're seeing him come face to face with a lot of these issues that he has and stuff like that. But like, it's, it's so good. Patrick Stewart can just do everything all the time and I will be happy. Yeah. Um, I think he did a great job with like reacting to this unlocked memory. Mm -hmm. He kind of didn't want to go there at first. And then he, pushed himself to go there mm-hmm. and um yeah it was just it was sad and it was kind of a moment for him yeah um the last thing 
there was one thing I did note down that it was one who lives, another who dies. And that's about um, so Picard, the other Picard. Yeah. So when the Borg Queen was leaving, he has Rafi and Seven give Jean-Luc a message. Mm-hmm. Something to the effect of um, in order for the mission to succeed, there must be two Renes. Right. One who lives and another who dies. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, what does that exactly mean? So if we're going really like heady about it, my assumption would be the Renee who is timid and doesn't believe in herself and lacks confidence and that kind of stuff needs to die to give way for this confident, intelligent uh, person to do the things that kind of what it seems like is ushers humanity uh, into its path to become what is the Star Trek universe. We really need it, Renee. Don't let us down. <laughs> yes, Renee Picard, less than two years away. You need to do this mission so we can have matter replication and I don't have to work. <laughs> we don't have to worry about now, capitalism. Well, that's the thing. Like in the Star Trek universe, it's not that people just don't work. It's just people are able to focus on the things they enjoy. And you see this great explosion of science advancement, but also artistic advancement. Right, because when this amazing guitar player, for example, (laughs) doesn't have to focus on a nine to five that actually makes him work, you know, nine to nine and can Mm -hmm. focus on his guitar, Mm -hmm. we get all these beautiful things. Or this person that was destined to become, you know, a great rocket scientist can just focus on that instead of a part-time job while trying to put himself through school. Yeah. Or, you know, I was, I was (laughs) going to go the route of maybe this person who has a real, you know, affinity for science doesn't decide to not go to school because they're absolutely terrified of student loan debt. Yeah. Um, so that's not our political beliefs. (laughs) Well, I, it's Star Trek. I mean, you can't talk about Star Trek without getting political. Well, you can, but you're kind of, that is the most surface level way to view Star Trek. It is because a big part of the universe is that they aren't worth the money is not a thing. Well, know? on Earth, they I mean certain they need money for certain things with other cultures and stuff sure. like that who don't believe in the same, you know, the Ferengi. But but yeah, it's just for this Star Trek utopia, I believe what kicks it off is the uh, discovery of matter replication, because at that point, it's like if you can just be like, I want some tea Earl Grey <laughs> hot. <laughs> you just have it. You don't have to go buy it. And then that frees up people to pursue passions. And yeah. that's how, like I said, I, if I'm remembering correctly, there is a explosion equally of artistic and scientific progress. Which makes sense because I believe there are, for everyone out there that was like, if nobody had to work, nobody would work. That's just not true for mm-hmm. the majority of people. The majority of people would want to do something that they find interest in yeah and it's it is a little bit different than comparing it to things like social uh programs in today's world because you know it's like their standpoint is if nobody's if nobody has to work to go mine coal you know if nobody has to pay a bill then nobody's going to go mine coal then we don't have coal and you know the you know it, it snowballs from there in this instance it's well we don't have to have people mine coal yeah we get the benefit of coal already being mined essentially with the energy and stuff like that but Ultimately, it's we need Renee Picard to go on this mission (laughs) to fulfill (laughs) our pipe dream of a utopia. 
Because sometimes Star Trek really does seem that way. Star Trek hits so close to home. And I've, I've had... I, it's so hard for me to understand how this happens. But I have had legitimate conversations with people who will see uh, an episode of something current. Like um, there was somebody that I used to work with at one point. It was when the Orville came out. And the Orville is much like Star Trek. They're tackling social issues. Um, and he was complaining about it addressing social issues and was saying, you know, I like things like this better, like Star Trek that don't do that. And I'm like, are you, how do you not see it? Like, how do you not see that Star Trek, every episode of Star Trek does that? I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, uh, be hyperbolic and say every single episode, but like most of them. A damn lot of them. Yeah. Anyway. It's just willful. It's just willful ignorance. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, it's choosing not to see what they're actually talking about. Well, yeah, and honestly, a lot of it could be also, like, when I first saw Next Gen, I was a kid. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I saw episodes when I was a kid, and then later in life, I would see what that episode was talking about and go, oh, shit. Yeah. But anyway, that's our social political <laughs> uh, rant because uh, we're basically done. Was there something specific you want to talk about? I was just going to say, we have been rewatching friends that's right. and not really talking about it uh, we talk about it a little while we're watching it but it just didn't really seem relevant for the podcast but we did finish it today probably yeah. i don't know the 10th 11th 12th yeah. who knows i think a lot of the reason why we don't have much to say about it on the podcast is because we've already said it to each other so it feels yeah. weird to rehash <laughs> all those things um one of the big ones when we've been watching lately is just like what if they were to do this show now? What changes would they make? Um, what, how would the characters be? You know, that kind of stuff. And honestly, like, here's the thing. You could remake that show exactly mm-hmm. as it was with only changing some of the problematic jokes. Yeah. And I think it works. I think so. Uh- um, I think it's better if you address some things. Like, yeah, mix up the cast, you know? Yeah. I think I definitely have this written down as what we may eventually do special episodes. Mm-hmm. And it's basically recasting friends. Um, maybe not so much actors, but like, well, who we, we could would change. We, well, we could just, we could change the characters. Yeah. You know, like um, Phoebe, they make some jokes about it occasionally, but like Phoebe definitely seems like she would be very um, sexually fluid. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely make her character um, maybe not non-binary, but definitely like you said, like maybe pansexual, Mm -hmm. give her a mix of partners. Mm -hmm. You know, I think diversifying the cast would be relevant for today. Um, I don't care what anyone says. I think a more diverse cast is just the better way to go. <laughs> yeah. It's, I don't feel like it's pandering. It's just acknowledging that we live in a more diverse world mm-hmm. and people want to see themselves reflected in media. Yeah. But anyway, that, that's for, it's a group of friends. Yeah. That's for um, another episode. But yes, we did finish the season or the series again. And I mean, it's still I, I know that it has its problematic uh, points in this series but it's still funny i still like it joey cracks me up we so. still quote it endlessly yep and uh it still makes sense that ross and rachel end up together at the end yeah they so. they really stretched that out to the very end though i don't think that was necessary 
I think, um, if I could just say briefly, um, I think I did like, I, okay, when it first aired, I didn't like the stuff with Joey. Yes. But rewatching it a few times since, I now see that it was okay kind of thing. But I think if Ross and Rachel had got together, maybe at the beginning of the 10th season, and maybe instead of <laughs> the end where... Obviously, we are supposed to assume they live happily ever after. Yeah, whether that be in Paris or back in New York, who knows? Yeah, um, maybe they have another kid, who knows? Um, I think it would have been really interesting to follow them through the last season, maybe getting married. I mean, we do see Phoebe get married. And it's really kind of backburnered, though. Like, they, yeah. they, like she gets you engaged. You get one episode. <laughs> she gets engaged, and then I think they bring it up once or twice more throughout the season and then all of a sudden it's her wedding day yeah i mean phoebe as a character i feel like is none of the characters are supporting characters but her and joey definitely take a back seat Mm -hmm. um towards the end of the series and um we love paul rudd yes so getting more mike would have been nice yeah or um i believe as you said when we were watching it maybe if they had integrated him a bit more into the group that yeah. would have been kind of cool. But um, I kind of, like I said, I just kind of wish we had had more time with Ross and Rachel. But, you know, that's how they is. wanted to end the show. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think that's it for this week. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. We As will <laughs> be back next week to talk about more stuff that we watched. As always. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.